excited about sharing this message with you today. We are in a series called Counterfeit Christmas, and last week uh, we talked about power versus props. Today I'm going to talk to you about, and, and what a wonderful praise and worship time we had today, because I'm going to talk to you about presence versus presence. Presence that we give to one another versus presence, which was the greatest present ever given to us, which was the presence of God himself. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That in our, it's, it's wonderful. I love the tradition of giving presents. It's a wonderful thing. But if we give presents and we miss the presence... It's a counterfeit Christmas. Because if we, all, of, all of the presents that we give are only small symbols of what our float was all about, which is the greatest gift of all, which was the coming of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about the presence of God this morning. I'm calling this message Once in a Lifetime, beginning with verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, we talked about Herod last week, Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Okay, so the stage is set of this priest... From the division of Abijah, he would be of the tribe of Levi, but his, he's a, in a division of that tribe called Abijah. And the first point that I want to share with you this morning, if you're taking notes, there's a place in your bulletin for you to write notes. The reason we do that is because, because note-takers are world changers, you know that? And so, uh, and so we give you a place to take notes there. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth's uh, age and barrenness represent spiritual drought and hopelessness. Elizabeth and Zechariah were unable to have children, but that barrenness was more than just their own barrenness. It symbolized the barrenness of God's people because when we open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we're following up on Malachi from the Old Testament, and there's been 400 years since the beginning of the, of the New Testament and the end of the Old Testament. And in that 400 years, people were still going to the temple. There were still, uh, the, the Israelites were still living under the oppression of the Romans, but it was a time of spiritual barrenness. The prophets weren't prophesying. It was a time of ritual. It was a time when the presence of God was not very manifest uh, to the people during that time. And not only that, but it was, not only were they barren, but the Bible says that they were old. Okay, so, so it wasn't just that there was a drought going on, but there was no hope. So, so it was not just barrenness, but it was hopelessness. And, and, and if ever there was a time in the history of Israel where it felt hopeless, it felt hopeless then because uh, not only were they barren, but they were under the heavy hand of the Romans. And if there had ever been a time when God might have come through, it certainly couldn't be at this time because now the mighty Roman Empire was in place and it was a time 
of hopelessness. And then when we pick up the scripture in verse 8, it says once. I love that scripture, once. The story is going along, but once. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot. It just so happened. He was, he was chosen by Lot. It's a, it, it was a way of, uh, of sort of like rolling the dice to see whose, whose turn it was. As well, according to the custom of priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So, so let me set the stage for you. Priests, as you know, were the ones who directed the affairs of the temple, right? So you might have one priest who read from the, the scripture, but, but there might be another priest that was on the praise team and another priest that, that greeted people at the door and there was another priest that worked the sound booth and there was other priests that worked the lights. There was priests, you know, that did all the things that had to do with what happened in the temple. And there were so many priests because there's 12 tribes in Israel and, and one twelfth of them are Levites, right? And so there's so many priests, you didn't need all of the tribe of Levi to be on duty to work um, at the temple. And so they divided them into divisions, and each division was given two weeks a year. So in other words, these Levites had other jobs. One of them was the manager of Panera down the road. And, you know, he worked there. But for two weeks of the year, he, he was on duty at the temple. He took off. You know, one of them was at Chick-fil-A. And uh, there was another even at the house of Thaler. But, 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 you know, two weeks a year, they would take off from what they did. And they would, they would come to the temple and do their thing. And, uh, you know, and then, and then it was chosen by Lot which one of them would be the one that would burn incense, which represented the prayers of God's people. Now, many priests went through their whole lifetime and never were chosen to do this job. Because there were so many priests, there was only one priest needed to do it. Just so happened, he's on his two-week duty, they cast lots, and it just so happened once when... Zechariah, and, and, and that's what I want to say on this, on this second point here. Zechariah's service was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. For Zechariah, he's got his once-in-a-lifetime, and, and once you were chosen to do this, you would never be entered into this lottery again to serve. So if you got to serve, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so here's Zechariah. He's been chosen. He's, he, it just so happens he's on his two-week duty. It just so happens that he was chosen, and he goes in to burn incense. And so for him, it was the first day of the rest of his life. I just want to say this morning, you're sitting here this morning, and I came here to tell you this morning from, from, from the Lord that this could be the first day of the rest of your life. Amen. That this day could be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for you where everything after this moment could change. I imagine, I imagine Zachariah coming in to burn incense, and and, and, I, and I, I, he's got those big, he's got those big matches, you know, and he he, he lights, 
He light, and when he goes to light the incense, here's what, I don't know exactly what happened. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly, but can I just imagine that there was a whoosh. I have, a, I have a gas fireplace. How many know what the whoosh is? What, what the whoosh is when the, when the spark hits the gas and there's that whoosh when the, when, when the fire is lit. And so he's in there in his once in a lifetime time and there is a whoosh. I believe the whoosh is a time when your story becomes a God story. When the ordinary life that you are living, somehow there's a whoosh of the Holy Spirit. And in one moment, what was just a normal day suddenly becomes once when Zechariah was on duty. There was a whoosh. Life story, the, the life church, the, the, the church that you're in today, I believe is in the middle of a God story. We, we, we have a wonderful history and we, we functioned under a different name. We were one time known as Bethesda. And, and those of you who are here know the story that, that Bethesda went through a difficult experience as our, our beloved and wonderful pastor um, got a, a debilitating disease called mesothelioma. And, then, and, and through a four to five year period, uh, his health uh, went downhill and, and, uh, and, and, and his wonderful wife Judy is still with us and, and what a blessing she is to our congregation. But there must have been times at Bethesda when we wondered, you know, would it be better if we just sort of packed up our bags and went home? Would it be, would it be better because, you know, things just aren't what they used to be and our pastor's gone through and, 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 and so there's that drought that comes along. How many knows that, that, that in the walk of faith there are times of spiritual drought? In fact, what I've read about, about this, these desert experiences with God is this, that we look at them as, as like we're spiritually falling back. But, but, but the spiritual writers have always said that when you're going through a drought, it's a sign of spiritual advancement. Because it's at those times when God pulls his hand back from us to see whether we'll fold our tents and go home or we'll, we'll walk by faith. And so even Mother Teresa will talk about going through times when she didn't experience the presence of God and all that she had to walk on was to walk by faith. We were in that sort of that period at, at, at Bethesda. And, and, and I was minding my own business, and I was in the middle of a God story, quite frankly, in southern Illinois, in a church that God had just done unbelievable, miraculous things over the last 19 years. And I received a phone call from Knoxville, said, I, you know, I don't know why you would consider this, but would you consider leaving Illinois and coming to Knoxville, coming to Bethesda? There's, there's a few folks here that just believe that God's not finished. God's not finished. He's not finished with what he started. He who has begun a good work in us will carry it on to completion. There was a, there's a few folks who feel, like, who feel like God's not finished with us. And so, so they called me and, and, 
And uh, Melly and I had reason to be in Knoxville of, of, for another conference, and so we agreed to come and to meet with the leaders. Uh, honestly, we had no uh, on business uh, from a business decision. It makes zero sense uh, from any other um, uh, way of looking at it. It makes zero sense. But we came and we met with the leaders and. Uh, and my son Noah, who's very attached to all of his friends back home, he was with us in that meeting, and we thought, surely Noah's going to hate it here. And we were on, we were on the, the car on the way home, and Noah says, you know, Mom and Dad, I, I just really like it in Knoxville. I just, I just really like it. It just feels like, just feels like there's some, something, re, so, something special there, Dad. If we go to Knoxville, I, I'm in, you know. And, 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 and frankly, I came home, and I, I didn't get any peace about it, and um, I went to, you know, I prayed and I was in the middle of doing church and all the kind of things there. And I really didn't have time to, to get alone to be with God to the extent that I needed to, to hear His voice. Uh, and, and so, a long story short, um, I'm already making it too long. But uh, anyway, so, so we had a time crunch and we had to tell Knoxville and we called Knoxville and we said, thank you for the opportunity, but I just don't, I just don't really... Um, I feel like it, I don't have any, I don't have an or a yes, and so I better say no because, because I don't know. And so, so that happened, and then I was scheduled to go to Israel with a group from our church um, back in Illinois, and we were in Israel, and my wife wasn't with me, and I was rooming with a, a cowboy. He, he's a pastor of the cowboy church. I'm rooming with a cowboy, and he went to bed the first night, and when he went to bed, I couldn't sleep, and I was... I was in my room, and all the only way I can describe what happened in my room that night was whoosh. The presence of God came into my room in the hotel next to the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the reason you don't want to leave Illinois is because you're afraid I, 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 what will happen to that church if you leave them. Do you think if I could take care of you, if you went to Knoxville, I might just be big enough that I could take care of your church in Illinois? Whoosh. I began texting my wife back at home, and Melanie really wanted to come to Knoxville, so she was a little miffed at me that we said no, you know. And so when I called her and said, Melanie, I don't know what's happening, but I'm, I'm feeling drawn to Knoxville again, she wrote me back and she said, don't mess with me. <laughs> we'll talk when you get home. <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, the rest of the trip, I'm walking, I'm walking where Jesus walked. I went to the pool of Bethesda, and all I could think of was Bethesda. There was a whoosh that was going on the rest of my trip there. I hardly had a dry eye the rest of my time in Israel. When I came back from Israel, Melanie and I spent the next 12, 13 hours nonstop talking about, talking about what happened to me while I was there. Long story short, when it was all over, I had called Larry May and said, if you guys w would still have me, um, we'll come. It, it was that quick and that sure because we had a whoosh from God. I just, I just say that this morning, not just to tell you my story, but just to tell you this morning, whatever you're going through today, there is a whoosh from God. 
that you can experience. You, you can be going through your life and you can have a, a one-time, ex- you can have an encounter with God that your life will never be the same once you have that whoosh from God. And then I want to read verse 10. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I, 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 just, I just need you to picture this. He's walking in to burn incense, and outside of the curtain, the people are gathered with their prayers. And, and you know that when he goes in, he's representing, right? He's representing the prayers of all the people. And, and so he walks in there, and, and so you and I'm wondering, what is their prayer? What, are the, what is the people's prayer? And, and, and I have to believe it's the prayer of the people of, of all of the ages of Israel, which is, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. The prayer of, you know, it's, we're barren. We're hopeless. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And here's, here's what's beautiful to me, Terry. I thought about not just the people that are gathered outside that curtain. I thought about people that have died over those 400 years. And their prayers were, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Can I just tell you something? Your prayers don't expire when you do. Your prayers don't expire when you do. And so these people who have prayed for years and for centuries, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. And Zechariah goes in there to pray. The third point is the people's prayers are like incense and represented the hopes and fears. Of all the years, the hopes and fears of the people on the outside and of all the years are coming together in his, in his, and it just so happens to be opportunity once in a lifetime experience to get to go in there and burn off and burn incense. The scripture, let me just talk a little theology of prayer with you. The scripture talks about bowls in heaven. If you could just imagine with me bowls in heaven. That our prayers fill bowls in heaven. And sometimes when we pray, we don't think anything is happening. But what we can't see beyond our realm is that there are bowls in heaven that are being filled. Filled. They're being filled with our prayers and our grandparents' prayers and those before them. And there's a time when the bowl gets filled when there's a tipping point. And, and, and when that bowl becomes too full, it just has to be answered and that bowl tips. Zechariah didn't know it. But his was the last prayer (laughs) that had to be given before that bowl would tip. And he goes in there and prays what generation after generation has prayed before.
Can I just tell you this morning, don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for your grandkids. There's bowl, just because you don't see any evidence of it, can I just tell you that there's some bowls in heaven that are being filled. And there's one day when you, a day when you might not expect it, that there's a tipping point in heaven when, when that bowl can be tipped and your answer is coming. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Whoosh! How about that? You light the match. The incense strikes and whoosh! An angel of the Lord appears to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense and Zechariah wet his pants. No, it doesn't say that, but I think he did. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. That's what that means. And was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll call his name John. Listen to this point four. The people's prayers were answered when Zechariah's personal prayer was answered. I asked myself the question as I was studying this. Whose prayer was answered when he was in there? Was it was it the prayer for Zechariah and Elizabeth to receive a son? Because that's certainly, that's certainly in his mind and in his heart. Or was it that Emmanuel would come? And the answer is yes. <laughs> because what I, what I want to point out from this point is that, that sometimes there's a connection between the intensity of the personal issues of our lives... And those bigger, greater issues of his kingdom that are coming, that are linked together. Here's what I mean by that. I mean that I, I can imagine that a lot of priests that were chosen before, before Zechariah came in there and they said, Oh God, um, O come, O come, uh, Emmanuel, and... Um, uh, help the Romans not to kill us, and um, may the weather be nice for Passover this year. Amen. And there were lots of nonchalant, and the reason I know that is because I go through all my own life, and I know that there's times when my own prayer life can become dry. But there's something about this personal prayer need that he has that intensifies his prayer life that day. Because he's not casual about needing an Emmanuel. He's not casual about needing a Savior. He's not casual because he knows that if Emmanuel doesn't come, there's no hope for him. And so when Zechariah goes in there, I believe there's some spiritual intensity to his prayer. He's not praying, oh, come, oh, come. He's praying, oh, come, oh, come. Come, Emmanuel. Have you ever been in your life 
when the spiritual temperature got heated up because you had some issues in your life that you needed a Savior. How many of you can relate to that this morning? And that when you come into the presence of God, it's not a casual thing. Let me tell you something. You came out on a rainy day today. Why did you come out on a rainy day? I hope it was not just out of habit. I hope there was something inside of you that said, we need you this morning, Lord. Oh, God, when I go to church, I need to experience your presence. Amen. 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 Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Which prayer? Zechariah is not in there praying about his, him and his wife's issue. He's supposed to be representing all of the people. He's in there praying for God's will. But you know what? When you're praying the big picture, God sees your little picture. When you're praying for the big issues of the world to be done, He knows those secret cries of your heart. And maybe, maybe Zechariah in the presence of God never even mentioned himself. And he may have never even mentioned his wife, Elizabeth. But God knows his heart. And he says, hey, Zach. I think he probably called him Zach, don't you think? Zechariah would be a bit formal. Hey, Zach, I'm getting ready to do something here. This Emmanuel thing, it's going to happen, but there's going to be a connection between your prayer being answered and God's big prayer being answered. Because yes, Life Church, we want Life Church to grow. We want to see his kingdom come. But when his kingdom comes, a lot of these cries in your heart, your children are going to come back to God. Your grandchildren are going to come back to God. Sick people are going to be healed. Bound people are going to be set free. That's all going to be part, because our picture, am I making sense this morning, that our little needs are going to get subsumed in the big picture of his kingdom coming and his will being done. Amen. 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 That's why in our prayer meetings on on Tuesday mornings, we spend some time praying for everybody's surgeries and illnesses and jobs and all that kind of stuff. But we spend some time in big picture stuff. God, God, let your kingdom come. Let revival come to life, church. God, let your kingdom flow into this church. Because you know what? If you do that, all, all this other stuff, he's, he sees those cries of our heart. It's going to be taken care of this morning. Amen. But what the Lord showed me is, is, through this study this week is that is that John is a picture of the church because John is to prepare people for Jesus, which I think is what the purpose of the church is. Listen to this. He will be a, this is about John, verse 14. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here's, here's, here's point five. The church is joyful, just like John, Great in, the, great in God's eyes, filled with the Holy Spirit, calling people to salvation, and preparing them for the coming of the Lord. You know, at Life Church, we just think that the church ought to be joyful. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Come on, people. 
Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let us reach the call. You know what I'm saying? The church ought to be exciting, don't you think? I think the most exciting place to be, it's more exciting than Neyland Stadium. Oh, come on. That was, that was pitiful. I said, it's more exciting than Neyland Stadium. Woo! Church ought to be a joyful place. David said, I was mad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Did he say that? No, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He wasn't sad. He wasn't mad. He was glad. We ought to be glad to go to church. The church is a place of joy. John came to bring joy. He came to say to Israel who was down uh, down in, in, in a gloomy state because they were barren. He said, hey, 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 hey. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Get excited, get excited, get excited. Get in your neighbor and say, get excited. Come on now. Huh? Woo! All right. So, yeah, church ought to be joyful. The church is great in the size of the Lord. I just want to say that. I want to say that because the church is taking a hit these days. And I want to say, with God, I want to say that, 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 that there's no place greater than the local church and that the local church is still the hope of the world. Amen. Amen. The local church is still the hope of the world. You need to find yourself a local church that's exciting, that's joyful, because there's hope here, and it's great. God loves the church. Boy, that's good preaching anyway. Hallelujah. Church is filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it says that John wasn't to drink wine, um, and so, you know, so... Then does that mean that the church has to all be teetotalers? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he's really, he's really emphasizing that scripture that says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The emphasis of this passage is not the abstinence from wine. The reason that John was to be abstinent from wine is because he was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that is because in those days, it never happens anymore, but in those days there were people that filled the hole in their soul with alcohol. Never happens anymore, right? There are people that filled the hole in their soul with, with, with alcohol. And, and so he said to John, John, I want you to stay away from it altogether because I want you to be assigned to the people that, that, the, that alcohol won't fill the, 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 the hole in your soul, but only Jesus can satisfy their soul. Amen. Amen. I, I came this morning to say that, 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 that alcohol and, and, and sex and, and, and drugs can't fill the hole. Money can't fill the hole in your soul. But, but Jesus can satisfy the deepest places in your soul. Amen. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Amen. Amen. And then you're going to call people to salvation. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord your God. Our church is unabashedly evangelistic. We believe in calling people to salvation, to calling people back to God. That's why so often at the end of my message I give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. Why is that? Because we're calling people to to make that decision to say, I want my whoosh moment with God. I want this to be the first day of the rest of my life. But that's not enough. We're not just to call them back to God. He said that we are to prepare them for the coming of the Lord. Prepare them for the coming of the Lord.
of the Lord. That's why small groups are so important at Life Church because we believe that discipleship helps uh, happens best in small groups, and so and so that's why we meet together to share with a group of caring friends who love us and and, and try to and, and try to help us to become more Christ-like as we prepare ourselves to become more and more like Him and for His coming. And then Zechariah asked the angel, "How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Come on, Noah." The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. Now listen to this. Presence versus presence. I stand. How am I going to know this is true? Zachariah, how am I going to know this is true? Because I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to you to tell you this good news. And so my prayer about this week is, God, I'm going to preach a message this morning, and it could be good information. It would
to just voice this prayer for you. And if you raised your hand to receive Christ today, just, just let my words be your words today. Just pray them along with me. And we're just going to invite Jesus in today. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for what you did on the cross. And we thank you for paying for our sins. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have done what we couldn't do for ourselves. And today... All we're doing is we're receiving that gift, Lord. We're not earning it. There's nothing we can do to earn it, but we're just receiving what you've done for us. And we just thank you, Lord God, that we sense, Lord, today that we're standing on holy ground and that you're doing a new thing. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for for the new work that you're doing in people's hearts and a sense of rededication this morning. We thank you for that, Lord. And we're just praying, Lord God, that that the life church, God, would just explode, Lord God, with the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And we also want to say, Lord, that however long it takes, Lord, we're in. We're, 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 we're in it. We're here, Lord God. We're, we're, we're not here, Lord, for a microwave church, Lord God. But, Lord, however you want to do it. But my prayer, Lord God, as Zacharias is, is, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Just come, Lord God, to our church, Lord. Come, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that the, the, the Fountain City, Lord, and, and Knoxville, Lord, is going to know that Life Church is here and that Jesus is here, Lord, and that their life can be changed. And so we pray for that. We're committed to that, Lord. And we believe, Lord God, that you are doing great things. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. If you're first time here, we always take the offering at the end of the message. And so uh, we're going to receive the morning tithe and offering right now. And if you have a prayer request, you can put it in the offering. Thank you for your miraculous giving for last Sunday's special offering. It was an after Thanksgiving crowd. Didn't have a lot of folks here, but we had a great offering. All told, through all the ways that people gave, 14,000 came in last Sunday. So aren't you thankful for that? We just thank the Lord for that. Amen. My wife's got something to say, I think, about the, the giveaway that we're going to do in a moment. Amen. 
We're going to kind of change the tone as the kids are coming in. Do you have some music to play back there? We've got some. It's going to kind of, we're going to kind of switch to a Christmas party now, all right? So the kids are going to come, and we're going to have a good time getting ready for that. Yeah, let's welcome all of our kids as they come in. Come on, kids. Woohoo! You doing the giveaway? Are you doing it? <laughs> <laughs> 